You're listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2212 South Broad Street. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday evenings at 5 and 7 p.m. The talk about tonight is St. Francis. He has a good story from the bottom. And I was first introduced to him by uh, our development pastor, Rod, and when I was a new young Christian, and I've been inspired by his joyful life ever since. So I want to talk about him tonight, but not as like a rule or a lesson about how we all need to be. I want to talk about St. Francis simply as a person who encountered God and was filled by the Spirit in a particular way. I think he, he has a real story from the bottom. He was the son of an, a wealthy Italian merchant in, this, in one of the top uh, towns in Italy at the time, um, beautiful little town in Umbria. And as you might think of someone born with a silver spoon in their mouth, Francis really was. He, like, he lived the high life early on, gallivanting with women and parties, and he had the best clothing and food and drink um, and education and status. And he dreamed, he was a soldier too, and he dreamed of becoming a knight in battle. And one time, um, en route to a battle, he landed in prison, and it was kind of a turning point for him. He kind of broke down. And he started asking some deeper questions. And he ran into a leper. When he got out of prison, he ran into a leper around that time. Somebody who was so visibly mutilated by disease would, ha- would have, like, formerly, like, repulsed him. But to Francis's surprise, he felt drawn to embrace this guy, and he even kissed him on the mouth. And as he did this, he realized that he was kissing Christ. So when he got home, he felt like God was telling him to repair the broken down chapel of San Damiano, like on the outskirts of town. And so he began to sell off his father's merchandise um, to his father's customers to get money to buy bricks to repair this church. And his father was furious, as you can imagine, and he was embarrassed that his son was hanging out with these losers and lepers and indigent people. And so, boiling with rage, his father dragged him before the bishop of, a, of Assisi and demanded that he return all the, all the stolen property and goods. And Francis was more than happy to do that because he wanted to be, like, free of worldly attachments and so he kind of had this dramatic moment in the square where he like renounces his father Peter Bernadoni and announces that his father in heaven is his real father and he um takes off his fancy clothing and he like carefully like leaves it on the ground there and he's like standing naked before the town uh free before everyone. He felt free of heart, free to finally love and serve his creator. That was his story. 
And this moment reminds me of a show that I heard on NPR this week, um, questioning the traditional narrative that religion defines politics in the United States. The author of this new book, From Politics to Pews, was saying that the inverse is actually true, that political polarization shapes most people's religious affiliation. Unfortunately, I think it's so mixed up when the main politic is money and economic security. So I think Francis kind of speaks to that. I think we might consider his way of connecting with the heart of Jesus by holding, holding all his stuff, all our stuff, lightly. I don't know if Francis sensed um, at that moment that the, this word from God that he should rebuild this chapel was really symbolic of like this larger calling to rebuild the church from the inside out, like the church with a capital C, like that we're a part of, you know, to re, to get back to um, this embodied life that's about like relating to the living God, not just like following these rules and traditions that the church had been doing. But he started with this really practical assignment of just putting like one brick on top of the other. And I think it was a good way to start working out his new faith. And this is where our story from the bottom begins and, and it's where our song comes from. If you know it, try and sing it with me. Do you remember this one? If you want your dream to be Take your time, go slowly. Do few things, but do them well. Heartfelt work grows purely. Good. If you want to live life free. Take your time, go slowly. Do few things, but do them well. Heartfelt work grows purely. Day by day, stone by stone, Build your secret slowly. Day by day, you'll grow too. You'll know heaven's glory. Oh, that was pretty great. Definitely a section in the back there. So Francis... As he's like rebuilding the church, he goes around making disciples of Jesus like all over the place in his simple, slow way, deliberate. And he's living very, very simply off the land, mostly like um, calling people to this, um, to see the peace of wild things and how God cares for like the birds. And um, just trying to rely on God completely. And at one time, the, the bishop of Assisi said to Francis, I think your life is too hard. It's too primitive. You don't possess anything in this world. 
And Francis replied, my lord, if we had possessions, we would need weapons to defend them. I'll never forget when my when my son Zach was really little one time, um, he remarked to me that he felt like people who had less stuff were happier than people who had a lot of stuff to look out for. Maybe it's because I was like telling him to clean his room or something, to pick up his stuff. Um, but kids are great at that in general, you know, unless they're giving a t given a ton of options. They're great at just like playing with the, the sticks or the cardboard box and like finding contentment in that simplicity. And Francis and his brothers really uh, got into that. Like they were known, in spite of having nothing, they were known for their sheer joy. And they were, um, in fact, with the sticks, Francis was often seen like dancing around with like pretending two sticks were a violin and like dancing around with them. Um, so it's funny that Israel gave us sticks here tonight, but he was kind of a goofball. And I love this movie because it show it shows that lighthearted joy um, among the brothers. They're kind of like stooges at some points. Um, but Francis was just really trying to not take himself too seriously, but to take Jesus very seriously. And that gave him, um, I think that was a good mix. I want to show you the trailer to this 1950s flick that Israel told me about. And then Jimmy randomly had a copy of this movie, like from Circle Thrift. So community, play it for us. Oh, I can. Check out the trailer. It's so good. You should watch it. You'll be encouraged. When Francis's days on the earth were growing short, he instructed his brothers to um, lay him naked on the ground when he was dying. And he said... Let me lie there for the length of time it takes to walk one mile unhurriedly. That really cracked me up. I don't know why he named like that amount of time. Um, but I love the unhurriedly part. And so Francis's brothers honored his request. They reverently placed him on the ground. Um, and they let him lie there for like 30 minutes or so. And not long before he took his last breath, the story goes that he like called all uh, everyone and all of creation to praise and love God like he was always doing. And um, I just think the gesture of him laying naked there on the earth reveals how comfortable Francis had become with the whole of creation, including himself. Like Ben was talking about reconciling uh, the enemy and ourselves too. Francis had become keenly aware that Jesus in his incarnation had entered our world and transformed the earth and the human form through his saving presence. Francis had come to believe that both the earth and his body through the incarnation of Christ had become profoundly good. The incarnation makes us good all the way through. And I really wonder if that's some of the best stuff that Francis has 
to teach us. He, he was really undoing this dualistic Greek philosophy that had seeped into the church kind of early on, kind of preaching this division between the material world and the spiritual world. And I, I think the most tragic thing about that is it, they, they were preaching uh, that God is separate from people. And this, this philosophy infected the ideas of the early church from the beginning, and it turned into that full-fledged Roman Catholic thing that Francis was rebelling against. The dualistic concept that God is distant from us might be like the source of our problems. But there's even more trouble when dualism becomes Gnosticism, which is um, just takes it a step further that the, the material world is divorced from the spiritual world and that the material world is evil. So Gnostics didn't even believe that Jesus came in flesh because his natural body would have been like um, evil. They thought Jesus was just a spirit being. I don't know if you've ever heard that. Like there's no way God could have stepped into like our stinky flesh. And so that's why the Apostle John writes to the early church that anyone claiming Christ didn't come in the flesh is antichrist. It's so important and so miraculous that Jesus ate and drank and sweated and laughed with his buddies. He fully incorporated the human life into the divine. And so Francis really embraced this. He stepped into this state of being with God moment by moment, and he like he made that his whole thing. Like he that was his treasure. And he knew it. And he just wanted to live there. The incarnation of Jesus is a monumental shift in how we must view reality. That God has come close. That heaven and earth are united in the flesh and blood person of Jesus. God is here now, in the flesh, even through us. It's wild. But I can see us living this out and bringing joy, like Francis, all over the place. I see it in you guys every day, this evidence of God's goodness and ours here right now, like Francis was living. Like this morning, the children's team met upstairs, and uh, our new team leader, Chelsea, brought like a several-course breakfast, like homemade breakfast for the team to eat as they talked about the new things that they want to do with kids. And I was just, um, like, Chelsea's like an immigration lawyer, and she ran 18 miles yesterday, like, preparing for a marathon. Um, but that's the kind of, like, she still did that. That's the kind of love and gravity I think we have among us. And as the children's team was meeting upstairs, Bethany was leading the Philadelphia Bail Fund downstairs, um, to do their good work of strategizing for bailing, bailing people out of jail, mostly black people, because that is who our prisons are full of. They're doing good work. Our thrift stores support the work of MCC. Um, and some of us met this week to hear, that's Mennonite Central Committee. They're a relief and development organization they're our partners, 
And I'm so glad Martha's here sitting in the back tonight because she started our first thrift store. Um, and we were just inspired to hear those stories of our partners like, like being the hands and feet of Jesus like this around the world. Um, this guy, can you help me out here, Michael, please? Thank you. This guy inspired me a lot, Reverend and Seer in Aleppo. He felt led by God to stay, even though his, he and his family could have gone, got, gotten out before the bombings got really bad in 2014. He felt like God wanted him to stay with people. And so he and his wife and his three young children stayed, and um, their church building was, like, blown to the ground. They meet now in this apartment building, like five stories up. They have like 120 flights, I mean, stairs to climb. But he, and life is so uncertain. Like he talks about how his his wife and and him, like kissed, when they kiss their kids goodbye every day for school, they're really savoring it because they don't know what the day is going to hold. But he said the church is even stronger now through this conflict than it used to be because people are like, they know what's important. They're taking care of each other, even their Muslim brothers and sisters. This, this is the embodied life of Jesus that Francis is talking about. One more. These women, these nurses inspire me too. They're our lead staff in the mobile malnutrition clinic that is located in one of the more remote areas in Haiti. And they, um, they're able to save hundreds of children a year. They take children that are severely malnourished and they kind of nurse them back to health with the, the food and medicine that we're able to provide through our sharing together. So give to the common fund and shop at Circle Thrift because you really are part of a beautiful thing that Jesus is still doing in the world. And I think that's what Francis was was calling people to. And that was his joy, relying on God's provision and nearness right now. And I don't mean to stand up here and imply like it's easy or simple to be simple. In fact, it is, it's probably the hardest thing, right? In our modern times where like distractions call to us at every moment and our, you know, our minds can be battlefields as we're like advertised to and um, feel all this pressure to do great things. I, I think probably the greatest thing we can do is, is lean into this core truth that Jesus is here and that he's got us. God is here and you are good in him. My teammate Julie... Uh, you probably know her. She's our pastor up on Ridge Ave. She taught me this little breath prayer for all the moments that I need to remember that I don't, it's not my job to fix things and that I don't need to worry about getting my needs met all the time. And so I have used this um, prayer with a little inhale and exhale and I want to invite, it, invite you to pray it with me here. It comes from Jesus' prayer for all of us and for whoever is next to come and join our little rebel 
radical band of Francis's, Jesus said, I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, us, for they are yours. I have given them the glory that you gave me. That's you. That they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. So that they may be brought to complete unity. So let's just let's try the prayer together as the team comes to lead us. You can just say it. Um, sometimes I like to put my hand on my heart help me take deeper breaths that I can f- actually feel. You can just say it um, quietly to yourself. On the inhale, I am in you. And then exhale, you are in me. Inhale, I am in you. And exhale, you are in me. Last time, inhale, I am in you. And exhale, you are in me. Let me pray for us again. Jesus, thank you for the reminder of your goodness, even right here among us tonight, as we simply breathe together. Help us to stay simple enough to know you in a very complex world where we have complex problems and uh, politically, economically, socially, racially, sexually, in every way, the world is tough. And we feel that, Lord, and we need to be reminded that you are with us, redeeming us. Help us to see you this week in us and in each other and even in this time we have here together. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.